Hey, one more thing before you go. Do you believe in ghosts? What would you do if your father showed up after he died to help you out? Can a soul reach out from the other side to save someone's life? Stay tuned. We're going to answer these questions and more when we talk to a young lady who experienced just that and more. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is K.R. Bala. She's a spiritual and lifestyle coach, a meditation teacher, writer, host of Wild Soul Whispers podcast, and founder of Wild Soul Bloom, a spiritual and wellness blog. After suffering from anxiety, spiraling thoughts of suicide and ideations, suicidal ideations, she lived each morning clouded by a false perspective and a harmful story that looped in her head over and over again. A life-transforming experience put her on the mission to help people going through the same thing and to heal, create healthy habits, and develop mindfulness. She's also a lover of stories in all forms and believes in the power of it and how it holds us to connect to us all. But in this episode, we're going to explore the possibility of life after death, specifically involving the events after her father passed away. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. As I said earlier, before we started, you know, I have to put this out on air as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think that you have created a fantastic and a brilliant opportunity for people to be inspired, motivated, and educated in regard to connecting with their spirit, their mind, and their soul. Um, so well done. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I know that you've been on a heck of a journey getting there. <laughs> um, but you know, like we had said, baby steps first, and you know, sometimes baby steps turn into bigger steps, and bigger steps turns into leaps and bounds, and and uh, <laughs> that's where you're at now. I think you've created a a positive environment for people to go through similar things that we're going to talk about that you went through. Yeah, it's true. So I kind of like start at the beginning. So, mm -hmm. um, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Toronto. Uh, Canada, so Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's. I'm blessed to be here. You know, I was born in Sri Lanka, and there was a civil war there for a number of years, decades, and um, I was just one of the lucky ones to get out with my family, and I got here when I was two, and yeah, it, it was a. It's a great. It's a great city. What was your family like? I mean, you know, I, I, obviously, you, they struggled before they came here, um, dealing with that kind of strife and, and coming from a war-torn country mm. like that. Um, I'm sure the adjustment to Canada was, was quite a bit. So what were they like? Um, my immediate family, you mean? Your, your mother, your father, brothers, sisters? Yeah. Um, you know, everyone was just, I think adjusting it's it's sort of similar to any other immigrant family i would say um struggling with money and fitting in and the language even though I, my parents spoke english pretty well they think that they taught it over there in sri lanka um but it was uh 
wasn't perfect, I would say. Um, you know, I grew up with an interesting household. I, I think we all have our interesting household opportunities. <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up in a dysfunctional family myself. That's what that's what inspired me to become a police officer was mm. because I grew up in that environment and, and because of that environment it allowed me to have a better understanding and compassion and empathy for others that were going through it at the same time and in the calls that I went to. Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, sometimes life puts us on a path where it gives us those experiences that yeah. we can then take those experiences as a learning step that we can, or a lesson that then we can help others through. I believe that as well. And it's really a choice. You either um, choose to do good with it or, you know, you could be bitter and allow that darkness to take over. Yeah, sometimes not good. Do you have brother? Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have one sibling. Yeah, I, sibling. a brother. Yeah, it's I have um I have an older sister and a younger brother. Mm -hmm. And when we were younger, it was, it was, <laughs> well, I was an older brother and had a younger brother, so you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, uh, yeah, it's it. Uh, family dynamics are are interesting. We'll say. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so I know that you, um, throughout your life, in, in kind of understanding a little bit about your background, you uh, had suffered from anxiety and um, spiraling thoughts of suicidal ideation. So can we talk a little bit about that so we understand kind of where you come from and the connection that we're going to build to? Sure, yeah. Um, I think, you know, speaking about interesting families, it's... It, with everyone struggling with their own thing and their own baggages from their own childhood, you know, we pass that on to different generations. Um, and if we're not mindful of that, if we're not aware of that and we don't do our own healing, it it's something that is a cycle that can not be broken unless you're aware of it. So unfortunately, um, you know, I suffered with a lot of intergenerational trauma yes and i think i'm sorry i apologize i think i'm just being really protective of of some folks and um um so through that environment it established uh almost this unhealthy familiarity i had it's like a like i like to say it's like a comforting blanket with thorns for the types of relationships I was attracting without even knowing at such an early age. And by the time I was in my early 20s or so, I had a collection of a lot of um, really unhealthy relationships in my life. I'm not just talking about romantic ones. And it, it really took a toll on my self-esteem and my self-worth and a lot of the verbal abuse that I was receiving, um, you know, they started to, my, my inner dialogue started to mimic them as well. And I started to believe it. Um, I think anyone would, um, if you're made to believe just, um, just horrible things about yourself at such an early age and if you were hearing it constantly over and over again it's a story that you unfortunately adopt and take on as your own 
when we, I worked domestic violence in specific for four years on a domestic violence task force. And some of the things that you're just, you're talking about right there were very apparent within um, that what we did as a, as a task force when we investigated domestic violence and people, people need to understand that domestic violence is not just physical violence. It can also be emotional abuse and emotional aspect to it. And those again, sometimes are intergenerational. The, the father did it, the, the grandfather did it to the the son or the daughter, the son or the daughter do it to their son or their daughter. And it, it may, it may always be a, and I, and we're obviously, this is just from experience on mm. both ends, personal and professional, what you went through and because of the environment that you were in and because of the intergenerational trauma that was, that was brought with you sometimes it's difficult for individuals to really take a look from the outside and see themselves, which I've noticed from what you promote on, on your website and what you promote in your services, mm. you, you give that opportunity for people to say, Hey, I'm not alone. Mm. And if you went through what I went through, then, you know, here's a place for you. Here's something, yeah. that, you know, uh, an open door for you that there's no judgment. There's no, you know, there's an uh, uh, open arms, so to speak, that you can come in and you can share and you can release and you can let go because we all mm. have that. You know, we all want to be a better parent to our children. I don't know if you have children, but we all want to be a better parent to our children than our parents were to us in many, many cases, unfortunately. And when I look back even on my own childhood and, and found out family secrets about my grandparents, and things that, you know, they were hidden or the stories were washed over, you know, whitewashed over yes. to where, you know, when you find out the reality, 40 years later, I found out the reality of the truth of my grandfather, my father's side mm -hmm. and his death. You know, the family said one thing, said, you know, for years, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. And then I'm doing research on my genealogy and I, I went, they lied. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, here's something completely different. Here's a story that's in writing, it's in the newspaper, that was completely different than what had been told. And I think that we as individuals sometimes will um, bury that. We, you know, we bury it. Mm -hmm. But you took the opportunity to kind of, um, kind of start moving out of that mode, didn't you? Yeah, it was um, right about my early 20s, mid 20s, I, um, I think there was a shift that was occurring, I can't quite explain it, but I was just slowly becoming aware of my feelings, whereas before I wasn't, I just took it as a normal how I know that sounds pretty sad, but I did it was all I, I knew, unfortunately. And um, I think I also was getting fed up of the way I was feeling how I was being treated. And um, there was just, I started also started to say no to things and no to people. And, and that's, that was a huge turning point of understanding that I could say no to an event or an invite, and that my own company could actually 
be better <laughs> than um, going to said birthday party or whatever it was. And that was really the beginning of trying to of my journey with self-improvement and um, self-love. It, it was quite sporadic at the time, though. It really wasn't consistent. I wasn't certainly committed to it. I um, probably didn't believe it as well. It was just a feeling of, of enough is enough and f being aware finally of like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And this doesn't feel good when you're around A, B, and C. And um, is it, isn't it better than to just spend more time alone than to feel that way around this person? Yeah, that makes absolute perfect sense. I think your body innately found, found the opportunity to kind of recognize what was going on and say, I don't want to do this anymore. Absolutely. You know, it's like the individuals Absolutely. that put your hand in a fire and you put your hand in a fire and you put your hand in a fire and pretty soon you kind of go, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> don't Especially that if anymore. you grew up putting your hand in the fire. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I know that you, in your, um, some of the information that uh, uh, I have on you, see, that's the cop coming at me. It sounds very, really bad. <laughs> no, no, no. I actually, um, I'm, I'm very much... <laughs> I'm very much into detectives. And, um, one of one of my favorite superheroes is is Batman, is and he was a detective. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm just getting over a cold, so I have to cut this part out. It's okay. Apparently, it's coming back to haunt me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I do my background. I know I like to check into your yeah. background before I bring on the show, and. You know, the, again, what I found is is a journey that is a life journey that of recognizing your self worth, and then promoting that self worth to others, and showing them that they too can have their own self worth, and that's a positive thing. You know, everybody, not everybody gets that opportunity to really recognize that and see that. Unfortunately, there are those that will continue until, unfortunately, it comes to a very tragic ending in many cases, and they they just continue on that, that, that path, you chose a different one. And I know that you said you had a comforting whisper in your ear. Where, where do you think that came from? Um, that came from my upbringing, just the surroundings I was in, the people I was around. Like I mentioned, their story ended up being my story. And that was the whisper that I always had that this, this voice that was always there. And it, but it wasn't mine. Eventually, I found out that it wasn't mine. And to your point about not everyone gets the opportunity to become self-aware and do that work and to want to change and be in control of their lives, and it often goes into a tragic ending, there's also the opposite where um, a lot of times people do mask their pain or their suffering through bullying and through negative behavior and um, sort of they get it kick out of it but they're also suffering in their own way as well as something that i learned as when i started to do my own work on myself i'm like they're that's just how they're responding to their own trauma and pain and I, you know in being able to observe that recognize it and utilize it as a tool to make sure that you don't put yourself within that that environment mm. you know it is a, is a good thing it's a positive thing um i think that uh, once you give people the tools and the yeah. understanding of how to use them and, and you know to get them out of that situation like you did 
and I think that um, you know, you brought yourself from from the anxiety, from the suicidal ideation. And it, for those of you that are watching and listening, suicidal ideation is the constant thought of suicide or taking your own life that you don't feel worth it, and mm. that you know you don't always act on it, but the thought is always there. I don't belong here. Yeah. I need to die. I don't belong, the, you know, on this earth. And and that's sometimes a very difficult yeah. pit to crawl out of. Yes. Um, what kind of um, what kind of relationship did you have with your father? Um, it was. Um, you know, at moments it was it was it was or at times it was great. I think we were really close when I was younger, and then there was a period when I was a teenager that you know, typical stuff. And then around when my twenties, we got close again. And, but there was always that divide with, um, with myself and my parents in that it was just always that parent child relationship. And, you know, there's differences in culture and generation and, um, and, you know, their own stuff and just even differences in personality. But I think in our twenties, my father started to soften a little bit and, um, he started to, you know, just want to be a friend. I know that you had brought yourself out of all of the, the, the pit of despair, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. And you were recognizing things. You were bringing yourself forward. And then yeah. you took a few steps back, right? And at one point, and you actually planned to take your life at one point? Yeah, so that period from... I would say my mid twenties or so is when I started to, you know, develop my self awareness for what I was feeling and just my life in general and and my surroundings and who I was around. You know, I was just getting fed up with it. And so, like I said, I was kind of sporadic with helping myself. It was um, it wasn't consistent at all. I wasn't committed, and like I mentioned, I don't think I believed it. And so it you just fall back to your old habits you just fall back to the people that you're comfortable with even if they're harming you and that that's that's what i did so um and then i was it also extended to work environments as well and with work environments you really don't have control uh, uh, if unless you unless you quit but you really don't have control of like not seeing somebody or or whatever it is or if it's the entire environment that's that's a hard system to take down and to protect yourself against even if you do try there's it's 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 tricky and um so yeah it came to a point where it was it was too much and i was like i i i really didn't want to be here anymore and that was that there was a day where i was like okay this is going to be it had you? Had, I know that you lost your father. That kind of um, it was about the same time period. Yeah. Uh, was that ex- uh, expected or unexpected? Was he sick? It was. Ill? Uh, no, it was very sudden. It was very sudden, and it was um, quite a shock. And that's sort of what started everything, actually, in terms of my path towards wanting to 
heal myself and wanting to, um, you know, self-improvement and self-love. But I didn't know it was all these things at the time. What actually um, was the catalyst was when I found out that he passed, um, I, it almost felt like this animalistic, feeling of like my body was splitting open into it it was very uncomfortable um and just in terms of like the physicality of it it was there was it was very um it was a weird sensation and but it propelled me into this spiritual awakening where i felt finally like my whole life i was just searching for peace and just a quiet mind and I instantly got it even though it was just the most horrific time period of my life uh, paradoxically paradoxically it was also in a weird way the most peaceful um um and what spearheaded this whole journey was yes it was his passing but it was also a few months after the noise that once was like occupied my mind and my heart space, all of that heartbreak, it started to enter in again. And I got really scared and panicked. I was like, oh no, I thought I was okay now. Um, and that was, I guess, my ignorance and my education, and started my education on, on like spiritual awakenings and what it entails. And it, it you can have them, absolutely. And you can, um, there, the one that I had is called a spontaneous one. So it's, you know, it's through something sudden and often something tragic. Um, but what I needed to learn to do was to create a gradual spiritual awakening. And that's what I did. That's what, that's, has been my journey the past eight years really well. And, um, he was also really creative and he, would make these door reeves, like seasonal ones. And um, so it was early September, so it was still summer. So we had our summer uh, wreath up and that one was filled with hibiscuses. Um, so when I came back home, I didn't wanna go in the house for some reason. Um, so I was just sort of on the porch and just, you know, distraught and crying and screaming for my dad like really from the belly like like just screaming dad like I really just you know you just that if you've ever lost some when there's a period where you think that they're just in hiding from the government or something or that they're just you know that they're like you know, I just don't want to do this family thing. See ya. And that's kind of more comforting than that. They're never going to, that they're not on this planet anymore. So, um, when I was screaming for him over and over again, um, out of nowhere, one of the, the hibiscuses, specifically the red one, cause there was a, a reef of like yellows and whites and pinks and reds. And the red one just fell right onto oh. my foot. I know. And there was, like that had so much significance and impact where I it's it allowed me to pause for a second or two and just ex examine what just happened. So I had like the awareness and then like I had some sort of I remember thinking that's weird. 
and it took me out of what I was going through. But then I went back to like, you know, what I was feeling, but yeah. So then the next day or, um, no, excuse me. So that evening, um, I was in my bedroom and I was going into the washroom and this might be a little TMI, but <laughs> I was going into the, <laughs> I was going into the washroom. And so it, it was like late at night, all the lights are out in the home. And I think there are several family members scattered around. And um, from the room that I was in to the bathroom you know there's it's, you go down like not a long hallway but a long hallway but a, a hallway and you pass a few doors and everything's dark right it's the middle of the night so I go in the washroom and I turn the light on and I realize you know to save you and the listeners you know I realize I might have to spend some time there so I <laughs> I decided to grab my phone so I left the light on and I walked back into my room. But as I was walking back into the hallway, so imagine, you know, it's um, a dark hallway in a home and you see the, you see just the light of the, of the washroom now. And as I was walking back to my room, the f- bathroom fan turned on. Wow. Enough for me to turn back and go, Okay. Question that one. (laughs) So I got back in my room, I did my thing, and I turned the light off and the fan. And then now when I'm in bed, I had a little stuffy, a little Tweety Bird stuffed animal keychain thing that I attached Mm -hmm. to the string of the blinds. That started to move. And I admit at that point, because it was late at night, I got scared, so I just sort of put the covers over my head and went to bed. But the next morning I woke up and I had the flower in my room, the red hibiscus, remember? So I said, hey, if that's you, like, show me again. And um, when I opened the door, let's say an hour later, there was another red hibiscus on the, on the, on the porch. And um, the, and there were so many other sequences, like the fan kept turning. Sounds um, like it's a message from your father, from the other side. For zone. sure, for sure. The fan kept turning on. Another major one was there was just a lot of chaos going on. Just, you know, it was a sudden death. That everyone was just not maybe at their best. And there was one moment where, you know, in the Hindu religion where when someone passes, you light a lamp near their portrait and you give like water and some flowers every day and it's especially at night and it's to help the spirit transition to the next side and um there was one day where i was really not okay and i was i sort of just needed an extra i needed some guidance or i needed i guess my dad around and i was in front of his portrait just crying and um, on the table that I was sitting at, there was 
uh, a screwdriver there for whatever reason. And it rolled by itself. And I remember looking at it and going, each time something would happen, I there was a part of me that still wasn't believing. And yeah, that's think, just part of my personality. Well, I think it's part of all of our personalities. You kind of go, Was that did that really happen? It really happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then um after that, another major one was at the middle of the night. Um, I heard like chimes, like bells. Uh like in a rhythmic pattern almost not like pipe sounds or it was just a beautiful noise um and yeah and then since then it's whenever i would like journal about him or around this time because he passed in september and you know my my birthday's in october his birthday was in october in october so around this time you i get a lot of just similar little things little things and um, something that's been happening recently is during my meditations if i'm specifically asking for him Mm -hmm. i'll hear a bell sort of in the distance like three bells whether it's in my head or i don't know but i I, yeah well yeah exactly at least it's a message from may i ask you're hindu i was i grew up in a hindu household hindu household so in the in the hindu household I have to really say that slow. <laughs> in the Hindu household, uh, how do they view? How does that religion view uh, like life on the other side, or reincarnation, or death? How do, how is that viewed? Me, can we help us understand that? Sure. Um, so I say I grew up in a Hindu household because um, I wouldn't say I identify as a Hindu, but it's very much a part of a culture as well. So there's right. a lot that I just you know grew up with. Um, and you know, it's Hinduism and Buddhism, they're very heavily on the spirituality side. So they very much believe in spirits and, um, that you have a soul and that it needs to be taken care of and it needs to be taken care of when it goes on to the other side. And they Mm -hmm. do believe in reincarnation for sure. And all of, um, and you know your karma and what you do here influences the next life and so on so it's very much um it's all within yeah. the reality of of the environment that you that the possibility really exists yeah. that your father was communicating with you because he knew you needed them and you were calling for him and and he showed up yeah 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 it you know it it's i've had a lot of conversations on this podcast in regard to and and, uh, and personal you know yeah. outside the podcast in regard to um there were many people that have come on here that uh, prior to them losing someone and experiencing something like that were didn't believe in it at all and they said you know i didn't believe in it at all didn't believe in um i didn't believe in heaven don't believe in hell didn't believe in god didn't believe in any of this don't believe in reincarnation and then i lost somebody and all of a sudden, this happened, and that happened, and this happened, and it really opened my eyes to what the possibility exists on the other side. Mm. And they were, they were, um, I won't say dumbfounded, but it it was kind of one of those where it really opened their eyes to the possibility of what really can happen and what does exist yeah. out there. Uh, and before that, they believed in none of it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they were, uh, say, few of them were atheist, no God, no higher power, no heaven, no hell, no angels, no demons, no, I mean, nothing. It just, mm-hmm. when you die, it's black, it's dark, and that's it. You just go away. And uh, they came back with a new understanding of uh, the possibility of something else out there. So mm-hmm. that's really unique that you got to experience that after your father passed away, because at least it gave you a little bit more of a connection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and cool. also, I think like him letting me know that there's more to um, to hope for, and there's more yeah. to um, and that there's more magic as well, and that maybe also knowing that I needed more, something deeper, like a, a deeper purpose to life. And it, it, based upon all of these situations and what transpired, and at that point in life that you were, and that changed dramatically because of that. Yeah. Um, is that your, your launching, your catalyst for, um, the wild soul? Without knowing, yeah, I was slowly working towards something, um, that I, I, there was still a lot of lessons I needed to learn. There was still a lot of, um, things I needed to experience going through that journey, but I right. would say, officially coming up with wild soul bloom was during the pandemic that's when i said i would say i and i'm sure many other people i I had this other epiphany and maybe another spiritual awakening where i like to say i that's even though i was working towards my own spiritual journey and developing a spiritual practice Mm -hmm after he passed, it was really throughout the pandemic where I surrendered to that. So all of the signs and the synchronicities I felt after he passed about stepping into another path and, you know, doing something else with my life. And um, I really was fearful and I wasn't ready to take on that journey um, because it meant letting go of so much more than, more than I I thought I I could handle, even though I was already letting go with so much. I I think it was just that, like we said, the little baby steps I had to take. Um, And yeah, and I finally surrendered around the pandemic and which meaning I let go of any expectation I had for my life, any labels I have for myself, any um, work on the, the part of me that holds on to the opinions of others and you know, really stepping into the present moment. And, and it's, it's nothing about disconnecting from the world or people, but it's really having them when you start doing that, you really are able to fully live and have this immersive experience, because you're free from all of that. So you are able to take risks and to love freely and to be your almost free to live authentically. I think living authentically is something that we all need to strive for be true to ourselves and those around yeah. us, be grateful for what we have in our lives. And, you know, that will bring more positivity within our environment. And that, you know, it. I think that um, the pandemic, I believe, was kind of a double-edged sword. Of course, it, it of course. took its toll on so, so many people, but it also gave a lot of others the opportunity to reevaluate what normal is. Mm-hmm. And there was a large portion of individuals that said, wait a minute, this, you know, eight to five, nine to five drill hour to work hour home just sitting <laughs> in a cubicle getting angry all day because i don't want to be here 
mm-hmm. then driving home with a bunch of other angry people that don't want to be there either, you know, kind of situation. It it um, it gave pause to really reflect and say that is not normal. I want more in my life. I want more calm. You know, my wife worked uh, luckily. She was able to to work from home for like two and a half years because of the pandemic, and you know, her commute was rightfully great. We could sleep in. We didn't have to get up at four in the morning, number one. Our commute was grab a cup of tea, go out on the back patio, relax in the morning, listen to the birds and, mm-hmm. you know, watch the hummingbirds and and the other birds fight over which tree they were going to be in and watch the sunrise. Mm-hmm. And then 30 seconds into work. And then when she was done, it was 30 seconds back, you know, to the front room. And it it showed a nice healthy life home work balance yeah and it allowed us to reset ourselves like so many others like you just like you did it allowed you to be able to reflect and understand this was an opportunity for me at this time to let go of this and kind of start anew with what you created um luckily my wife is working hybrid schedule they've they found uh, her employer, they found that uh, they had much happier employees when they were allowed a hybrid schedule where they had a better family work balance than mm-hmm. they had before. And they got yeah. more productivity. They got happier employees. And, you know, everybody, it's uh, happy for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, it, it it's just, we all have to take that opportunity to really think about ourselves, what situation we're in, and where we want to be with it would you know would you agree absolutely i um you know that whole system was just so archaic and it really had to it's such an unfortunate time in the whole world and it it's 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 quite it, it's sad that it had to it had to take a a pandemic for us to readjust mm-hmm. um, that that system. But even before then, there was just so many people I knew that were unhappy with it. And I certainly being introverted didn't agree. But even beyond if you're an introvert or extrovert or whatever it is, I just don't like being boxed into anything. So even this hybrid model, I'm still not, a, I'm not a fan of as well. I think if people want it, because there are people who still actually want to come in nine to five, Monday to five, they're just oh, used are. to it. They love it. And they, um, they get their socialization there. That's great. I think people should be allowed to work however they work the best. And, um, if it's hybrid, great. If it's fully remote, sure. And if you want to go in all the time, that's great too. However, it should just be result result based. I don't really. I think it should, this is the work. However, you do it. If you work from, if you work the best, midnight to six a.m., I don't need to know that. Just give me the job. I mean, just give me the work. So, yeah. I, but small steps, like we said. I can tell you, from midnight to six a.m., my best job is sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I do. I I know um, a lot of creators that that work that way. I'm not that way i'm definitely i am not that way either i work too many graveyard shifts we call them graveyard shifts because they were Mm -hmm. you know midnight to seven i was 11 p.m to 7 a.m the next morning and i worked too many of those and um 
now I'm kind of old and cranky and I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I, <have laughs> I like going to bed at you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock and I like sleeping. You know, it's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah. that's my new job between those hours. Yeah, I agree with <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and luckily um, her employer is uh, sure for the state. So they recognize that and there are people that work full time at, in the office and there are people that work, uh, there are a few people that work full time remote. And that's amazing. there's a, a number of individuals that work uh, hybrid as well. So they, they were able to reset that balance and it really helped immensely with many things. And, mm. and, I, and I think that, you know, your situation in regard to Wild Soul, uh, you help people to reset their, reset themselves, recognize and reset themselves, don't you? Yes, I like that. That's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's allowing them to re realize that they can take um, control over their lives and they can um, be the designer of however they want to live their life. They don't have to be a slave to their thoughts, their past, and, like, and to, for them to understand that that's, that doesn't define them. Those, the thoughts that we're, we're having aren't aren't ours um we're we're so much more than that there's a part of us that is without form that is filled with so much wisdom and creativity and resourcefulness that wants to lead the way and it wants us to shine and it wants us to be fulfilled and happy and joyful and um i i hope that more people choose that path and i hope that even if you know, through Wild Soul Bloom and the, through Wild Soul Whispers, the podcast, they they discover content that helps them. You know, just choose themselves because we are we cannot be the best colleagues, uh, spouses, parents, friends, whatever it is. You can't be the best to the people you love if you're not taking care of yourself and your own needs and you're not giving showing yourself that love as well and we need to be an example for ourselves and then we can extend it to our external worlds but we really need to make a sanctuary first and foremost i agree with that how, i mean how can somebody find you if they're looking for what you just spoke about how can they find oh. you um, they could go over to wildsoulbloom.com and also i have a podcast wild soul whispers and uh instagram um the handle is at wild soul bloom and i'll make sure that everybody has it in the show notes as well let me try that again i'll make sure it's in the show notes so everybody has it it's been one of those mornings <laughs> i can uh, relate it uh well thank you know i want to thank you very much for coming on the show i think that uh, what you have done in your journey has uh, created a, a very uh, brilliant opportunity for people to be, again, move forward in their life in a positive way and use your own experience, your own wisdom, which I think is, it shows more of how you did it and how it works mm. coming from that perspective um, than if somebody, you know, just got out of school and not, I've got a master's degree, so I'm not dissing academia. <laughs> but I think in this particular situation, experience shows compassion and and empathy for your journey when you come into that because you've been it you've lived it you've worked you you were there yeah. so you know thank you very much for doing what you do for the world and uh, i really appreciate you oh thank you michael i appreciate you as well uh i this is one more thing before you go so before we go do you have any words of wisdom you can share uh you know 
I've touched on this during the whole episode, I believe, but for I, I hope everyone just everyone out there just bets on themselves and takes the time to maybe shut down all other distractors, find a quiet place where you feel at peace, wherever that is, it could be your room or um, the kitchen or a place of nature and meet meet deepen into your yourself and see what's emerging, see what's coming forth and needing extra attention and love from you. Outstanding words of wisdom. I, I, I applaud you for those outstanding words of wisdom. Well, again, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, sharing your journey with us and sharing your experiences with uh, your father from the other side. I think that that's an amazing situation that uh, you continue to have. Are you still having those kind of? Yeah, uh, the doorbell rang um, just uh, a week after his uh, death anniversary and no one was there. That was probably him saying, where's my cake? (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I have all that stuff in the show notes, all your contact information in the show notes for everybody to come visit you and um, get some help from you. And uh, I look forward to another conversation with you down the road. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.